What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 327. Uh, my name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And John. <laughs> Good to see you guys. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been a while. It's been a it while. It's been a, a couple been on weeks, here, man. man. Yeah. It's, it's one of those times where it's like an accidental while, but I think around this time of year is this is at least a natural time. This is when a lot of people are are pausing and and you know dealing with shit. So yeah, well, it's been about three weeks now, I guess three three to yeah. four weeks. Yeah. three weeks. Just cruised right through the the holiday season. Yeah, and, we're uh, back. Just, we're back in it. We're back, yeah. back into the new year. Yeah, I wanted to uh, uh, shout you out for something, Steve. Oh yeah. You you've helped me discover quite a few things. One of them is Facebook Marketplace. Oh yeah. Um, I, I so I was trying to get a a soundbar in my living room because I wanted to take the living room soundbar, put it in the bedroom, so we had better sound. Mm-hmm. It came with a little subwoofer. It was the one we used in our our, our previous house we were renting. And I was like, man, I need to get like I want to get a cool ass soundbar that I could buy that kind of is. Not quite like my downstairs setup, but really good. Mm-hmm. Boy, did I get lucky. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I was looking. There was this place. So distance from my So Cumberland. It was in Cumberland. I bought a Vizio Elevate. Oh, right? Nice. Have, you, have you seen those yeah. things? Yep. You know how much it costs, right? 460 Wow. Brand new. Wow. And it's because of you. <laughs> and they normally cost 462 463 yeah, right. Yeah. Plus $600. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So like I'm like I'm like is this is this a real price? They're like, yeah, we were in like a liquidation thing. Come come see it. You could touch it. I want I drove so you you've driven a Cumberland. Have you guys driven a Cumberland before? I think so. It's mountainous. It's yeah, mountainous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like right when you start to get into the craziness of like like Pennsylvania, and it's it's yeah. mountains. Like your your signals going out, basically, <laughs> right? So I like, get there, and I'm like, this 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 is strange. Like, what if this is like open and you? It was brand new, hasn't been open, and I watched like ten reviews of it. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to get this. This is a thousand dollars. It's too much money. And God, because of you, Steve. It's always worth a shot. Just check it out. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Go see like, it. I feel like the, yeah, I feel like the biggest uh, ticket like tech that I have in my house, in mo- most cases, I feel like I've gotten it on Facebook Marketplace for like a stupid- Unreal. Place. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. So I have one more thing that I'm trying to get. It is so, so like kiddish of me. I want to get an arcade game, like an arcade, like not like, like a full size one, like oh. a full, not a full size I thought cabinet. you were going to say a race car bed. <laughs> no. No. Sweet bed. I, I want to get one of those like arcade one ups, like just a, a miniature arcade. Maybe two of those before I before I turn forty five. Because <laughs> then it's you just too, that, that, then you're too old. Then it's like no, <laughs> I have to. They, I have they to. won't let you buy it. No, they won't. Right. Turn that age. They'll slap it out of your hand, even that's though what, this that's when they say, have... "Sir, we believe you need a brandy sniffer <laughs> and like a smoking jacket, yeah. right. or an right. axe, something you right. know, either gentlemanly yeah. or just manly." At that point, right. you, know, you can't. Uh... So I have to buy it before I get past the threshold no. of like, "Hey, guy, what the fuck are you doing?" No boyish so. shit after forty five. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, it's good to hear Very that you cool. guys are doing well, man. <clears throat> yeah, man. Um, it's good to see you guys. Yeah, yeah. So what a have you been of, watching? A lot's happened, man. There's been yes. a lot of stuff coming out. And Holy shit! Yes. It's like Any that new- weird. It's it's like that weird time where like a lot has come out and like movies that just met the end of the year, like mm-hmm. release cutoff for like Oscars and all these awards considerations. Yeah. Like they've done their little like one, two theater plays. And now we're in like the week two, three of the year. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, more of them are going to start rolling out now. And, uh, you know, they're smaller movies, most of them. And I'm looking forward to, I haven't seen a ton to be honest with you. I've yeah. a lot going on, but like uh, it looking, looking at what's available. It's like, I'm, I'm noticing there's a lot of those titles that are starting to pepper in yes. even in some of the ways that we get access to screeners. It's like, Oh, I want to check that one out or, Oh, I, I wanted to see that. So like maybe in the next week or two more so than now, it's like, I feel like there's going to be a lot to watch. Yes. Um, 
And everything's yeah. back in January. All the TV shows are like right. back yeah. in January. And a lot of that, True. in terms of like screeners we have access to, I was I kind of did a quick scan the other day and it was like, oh wait, not only is this about to come out, but it, we have six or seven yeah. episodes of it to watch. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, at some point we'll catch up, I guess, on some of the, those recent shows we've been watching um, because there really is a lot of stuff coming back right now i don't know when we'll actually be able to talk about it in any kind of uh, specifics kind of way but yeah. um like i just watched the whole final season of search party on hbo max and that was okay that was fun to see that it was out and to see that i mean like that's a show that i i kind of got into last year and watched all four seasons kind of in a flurry and so it was great to see it wrap up but also it was great to be able to kind of binge that too um, I was a little surprised that they did the full 10 all at once, but I didn't know. Is that how it's come out in the past, or was it a week-to-week thing before? What HBO Max has been doing is dropping uh, two or three episodes a week, which seems to be the pattern, but this it's pretty cool that they just dropped it in our laps for Search Party. Mm-hmm. I guess they figure that's how people had been kind of on it before. You know, that It was like two, two seasons in before it went to HBO Max, or maybe yeah. three. Um, yeah, and I think that because they see that people were intaking it like that, I guess they figure that they try that model with this this last season of the show. Mm-hmm. That's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. It, it is interesting, like, when you mentioned that the way that HBO Max and, and, and some of the other streamers are doing the same thing, but, like, even, like, what they did with, like, Station Eleven, you know, the way that they've kind yeah. of, like, released, like, pairs of episodes. Like chunks, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it's like three, and then it's two, and then it's one, yeah. or you know whatever the pattern was. But I don't know if that it's it's you know to get into the nuts and bolts of it. Like I don't know if that's to meet any kind of deadlines for like uh, el- eligibilities for like Emmys and stuff like that. But I mean, like a show like Station Eleven, for example, you know, which is like a big show for HBO Max, yeah, um, and a pretty well received one, one that's like people are talking about. Uh, you know the, the the way they decided to kind of do that with that show and, and a number of other shows um did you finish it no i have not finished i'm on like episode eight i think okay um but i, I but i'm really liking that show but it's just yeah. interesting that like i don't know what the rhyme and reason of like what they do with that show versus like and just like that you know where they're doing like an episode a week yeah you know or like what what is the like what is the or um like what did they do with righteous gemstones like the first two episodes came out and then they're gonna do like one a week or um euphoria you know like that's just one a week it's just like i'm very curious what the logic is between that when you have a show like station 11 which is like a big prestige show which will be a show that probably gets like emmy emmy awareness and emmy consideration um i just like to do it like that I wonder if it has to do with like there's I think there's levels of prestige and because it's taken on like a like a sci-fi sort of thing I think it needed it needed these episodes to explain what was going on I I honestly don't know if I could have in that's true because because we had the the pleasure thank you so much HBO of having all of them and I I kind of took it all down as soon as I could and fucking balled on the last episode by the way um yeah, I think that requires you to have more pieces of the puzzle versus like, you know, and just like that, you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, Carrie did this this week versus what is the mystery of this apocalyptic situation? I, right. I definitely think that's true in a sense, uh, Ronald, that also that Sex in the City is sort of a relic of that earlier era of appointment mm-hmm. television, too. Yeah. And weekly television, so I would almost see them saying like, "We're not going to change our paradigm with this with this flagship series." You know that obviously they wanted a lot yeah. of hype around, but I think the other thing is too, I, I do think it's very much what you said, especially in the beginning of a new show or a, of a new take on something. They want you to be able to get to the end of that block and know what's going on. And sometimes yeah. first episode of a new show is still not there. And I think it used to be that a pilot episode was sort of required to have all of it in that you know yeah. right. uh, but now i think there are some shows that come out where they just know with this with this new way that people watch things where they might not watch it week to week they might they might catch it later and watch it like uh, you know in a binge or whatever i think that there's less pressure on that pilot episode to be sort of like here's the show encapsulated but i think yeah. that yeah. when when a 
even HBO put something out, they want to go, we don't really want people to end this big night of this debut going, oh, I guess I don't know what this show is yet. You know, so sometimes they give you that second or even third episode so that by the time you get to the end, you'll feel oriented. But then when they go to the the one a week model, it feels a little bit like, well, now you slowed down too much. You you, you spoiled me and then you you slowed it down. Uh, Not HBO, obviously, but um, It's Always Sunny this season was a two every week. Yeah. They, They burned, I think, eight episodes in four weeks. Um, it's crazy. And it was, I mean, it made sense sometimes, like, oh, they did sort of feel like there was more of a continuing storyline this season, so it made sense. But it also made that season feel super short that I, I couldn't yeah. believe that it was over. I felt like it was a pretty complete story, but uh, I was, next week, the very next week, I was a bit disappointed that I didn't have another hour of Same those here. maniacs. So, <clears throat> Same here. Good stuff, by the way. I thought it was a pretty cool season. <laughs> yeah, very good season. I need to check it out. I feel like this is a really interesting topic, and I think that maybe we should come back to this. Like, because the more I think about it, it just seems like it's like the wild, wild west. Like, it in is. Terms of, and 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 I think that a big factor that I, the more I think about it is like, I think that some networks just have such a bottleneck of content from yes. the last two years, and like you're saying, there's certain levels of things in terms of what they think is prestige or commercial you know, or critical, you know, whatever darling type shows. Like, I feel like, you know, they have so much stuff in in their, in, in the pipe ready to go that some of it, they're like just opening the dam and letting it out like search party or like, you know, a show that finishes its run in four weeks. Um, Or bigger things. Yeah. What? Or bigger things. What do you mean? Uh, Did you hear the news about turning red? Oh yeah. Oh, like Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's weird. I mean, it's a. This is the third. Well, that's a whole another film. subtopic. Is like, what are they doing to Pixar? What are there? they doing, man? Yeah. I mean, I think is, it's all. I mean, what kind it, of movies it, it, is Pixar making too? I guess. Is I, another I think it's also question. like just. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's the that's a consistent thing though. Is that like back to the TV thing? Just briefly, is like I think about a lot of shows I've been re- watching. Like Showtime, I think is in like a really nice run right now. Where they have like some really great programming, you know, with Dexter and with mm-hmm. um, Yellow Jackets, and they have that super pumped anthology series coming out next month about um, uh, with Joseph Gordon Levitt about it's going to be like an anthology series about like these uh, business, uh, like the first one's about Uber basically, and you know, like these businesses that kind of broke the mold or kind of like are game changing um, products or services. But Showtime is doing it. The traditional thing like they have one episode every week yeah you know and they've kind of stick to that for so we call the boba everything. fett model well, yeah. Yeah, the boba fett yeah, model. Yeah. uh and maybe that's because they don't have like the pipeline that hbo with warner content or like disney or hulu even has and um i don't know it's just interesting but yeah the pixar thing is a good point i mean i i i personally i mean i get I don't know. Like, I feel like I get the criticism of it, and like, it is weird that it's the Pixar films that right. keep going to Disney Plus exclusively to think, Disney Plus, like uh, yeah. by- bypassing theatrical entirely. Isn't that right? That's yes. the, yeah. Um, but it. But I think the more I think about that, though, it it seems like they're leveraging the Pixar films, which seem to have more of a family reach than some of the Disney animation films. Um. As like Disney Plus subscriber bait, basically, right. um, like like that that would be those titles might attract or entice more subscribers to the service that weren't already there. Yeah. Um, than than like a Disney animation movie, like you know, uh, I don't know, like Encanto or uh, Raya or things like that that have come out like in theaters and on the service. So, how do you feel about the idea that like? By the way, I'm we should little... explain if, in case people don't know, Turning sure. Red, the, the new di- the new Pixar movie, just got announced to be going. It was supposed to be theatrical and eventually Disney Plus, and now they've just announced it's going Disney Plus. And the, what we're talking about is this is the third Pixar film in a row for that to happen to. So I just Soul, right. Luca, and then and then this movie. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the issue that I have with it, and you know, you know, I love watching stuff at home, is I'm a little afraid that. If if they're like Soul Luca, these are incredible films, right? Turning Red, I'm I'm assuming has this, is going to have the same prestige, right? What if 
the 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 person watching it starts to develop this thing where like whenever anything comes out now because three huge films are on Disney Plus that they're like Buzz Lightyear comes out and they're just like wait till that shit gets on Disney Plus rather than having a theatrical experience um and going to see it but I don't know right well we don't even know what I mean we, it's crazy that this is now the we're going into our third year of saying we don't know what the theatrical experience is theatrical experience is going to look like six months right. from now. I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating. This is, but I mean, like we're you know, this is. You really it, don't. We it, really it's don't been know a long gonna... time since we've had that sense of like, oh yeah, that's how people are going to take in their movies, and that's the way we all agree is the best way to do it. And everybody's yeah. doing it as soon as they can. That model has been changed. Like I think people have already been conditioned a little bit. Even the people that want to go see stuff when it comes out. Well, I mean, I'm talking to a couple of them right now. I've probably been to more movies in the theater than the two of you. Um, Steve, you've been to a couple more than Ronald, but I mean, this whole thing of like, what is that whole thing? Like, you know, Ronald, you'd be going to movies all the time if it felt like it was back to normal, you know? And it's I been a long so time since now. you've done that. So I guess I'm just yes. saying, think about what that means. You know, we don't have to be theoretical with it. You're, you're, yeah. We're not talking about some made up uh, person. We're talking about you. You would be hitting the movies probably a couple times a week if it weren't like dangerous to your health or, to, you know, the health yeah. of people around you. So anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange thing, and you know you wanna you wanna have those experience experiences, but then you have weird things like you know the window being smaller for movies and being able to get access to a lot of those um, films that we couldn't let's say see at a festival. Like I just got um, the Infinite uh, Thirty Seconds or um, Infinite Two Minutes. Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, uh, mm -hmm. the Japanese film yeah, yeah. that I, I kind of championed, I got a copy of that. You know, it's like that is crazy that you know we, we you wait a little while and then eventually it comes out on Pivot and it's dangerous and weird. And I'm closer to the theater than I've ever been. It's a very short drive for me now because of where I live, and I'm still you know opting out of it. And we, yeah. I mean, for the most part, we've opted out of some pretty huge screenings that we could have gone to, all three of us. I mean, mm -hmm. even with you going, you haven't gone to as no, many movies gone. as we could have, you know, we... I mean, that's the irony. We haven't, we haven't gone to any, basically, yeah. of these of these press things. Like Scream? We yeah, missed say, it all. Pa pa passing on Scream last night broke my heart. <laughs> I, I could imagine. Like, not man. being able to go or not For being real. comfortable going to see that last night. Like, it's one of my, you know, all-time favorite movies. Yeah. And, and it was in the Dolby screen, and it was press only. Ooh. Even at that, I wasn't fully comfortable going. To be and honest, Buzz is pretty good you know? on this one too. Yeah. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait to eventually see it. Yeah. Um, but you're right, though. I mean, it's just like. I mean, I don't know. It, 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 the times have changed, man. They're changing, and they're going to change even more. Once, I mean, the I, I, the longer this kind of ebbs and flows, you know, yeah. where you hit these, oh, uh, we're new normal, and then it's like, oh, well, no, no, not anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, Spider Man has a window to come out. Scream may have an opportunity, but beyond Scream, pretty much everything has been pushed now to the end of February, March, theatrically. Right. So, what are theaters doing? And and that and that may also be part of the decision why Turning Red went to Disney Plus. You know, like if they're yeah. thinking that theaters aren't going to be back up and you know supported by February, March, like okay, let's support our over the top service. Yeah. But, um. I, and I kind of have this like feeling that's been in, in my head that I've been trying to like articulate more and more. Um, I think even with the feelings that people have, I think we should try. I mean, we don't do this, obviously. Right. You, The three of us don't do this. But don't try to shame people because they want to go to the theater. If they're living safely, if they're doing it safely, you know, let them live. You know, I, I have felt pretty distanced every time time i've gone to a screening and right, i've been to right. see some things within a couple days of coming out but you pick a you pick a non like peak hour screening you you get a seat uh, kind of in the corner you look at the seating yeah. chart as much yeah, as you totally. can That's you, you, you reserve yeah. the right to move around in the theater once once you see how many people are actually there i mean the spider-man screening i went to was pretty crowded but that was definitely the peak of oh are we back at this uh, right, that little right. pop we had 
Yeah. I think we already knew, but there was this little pop of like, let's all just go see Spider-Man before we say no more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Spider-Man, Everybody Go Home should have been the name of the movie. Um, <laughs> but I pre-ordered that movie, man. Because oh, cool. uh, since I couldn't see it the way yeah. that, you know, still book, Best Buy exclusive, can't wait. It's good. Mm-hmm. They haven't released a, a date or anything, but... Yeah, I'm glad you got to have that experience. Man. Also, the Eternals is out for you guys to see now, right? I saw it. I saw yeah, it on. I, I want to watch. Oh, you did. Well, are we going to get into talking about stuff or what? Let's yes. talk about some things we've yes. seen. Maybe let's talk about Eternals next week after Steve's got okay. a chance to see. Yes, it. yes, okay. that sounds good. Um, did you finish Dexter, Steve? I did. You guys okay. talk about Dexter because I'm a I'm a passenger on this one. Um, You're, are, are you our dark passenger? I'm sort of a medium yeah. gray passenger, <laughs> as you can see. I have a, a bit of gray. Um, what do you think of Dexter, Ronald? I you look. I hate the term course correction. I think it's so corny. I think that people fucking throwing that shit around too much. But um, this wasn't course correction to me. This felt like it was. It was looking at the ending of the original and and still tacking a, a a very extraordinarily amazing story at the end of it man there was a scene steve I, I used to get you know when when dexter first started there was this sense of like dread when things would happen there was a sense of dread that was a scene that had nothing to do with dexter and everything to do with the environment like people discovering things in the environment that broke my heart that took me in places where i didn't expect that like i didn't think that dexter was capable of doing this anymore and just for that alone for it's the last magic trick to do this the way that it did it and end it the way that it did man michael c hall you deserve a hug (laughs) and and the writing staff like he it, it was amazing amazing i love the ending what'd you think yeah, no, I, I really liked it too. I feel like my so only good. my only criticism is like I feel like the the back half of the season felt very rushed compared to like the pacing of the first yeah, few episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Which is like we and we mentioned this a few podcasts back, like where I was like, it felt like after episode three or four, it really like stepped up <laughs> in terms of pace. Up. Yeah. And I think that'd probably be the only thing because like once you get into the last two episodes, like a lot happens. Yes. Um, which which felt a little breakneck for me. And like I feel like I would have liked to had I would have liked to have had a little more of that cat and mouse element that the show used to do so well and did did a lot better this season um than 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 the the, the old season finale, you know, the one that everybody dis- dislikes so much, yeah. as do I. But in general, though, like I feel like this show, this this re this comeback was way better than it probably had any business being. Like I feel like you know it lost a lot of love, you know, when it went out the way it did, and to hear that it's like Showtime's most watched show yeah. now, and you know, I don't know what's happening with the show going forward. I think it is, it does feel like uh, a very uh, satisfying ending to the story, um, but who knows what they'll do? I mean. I, I I hesitate to believe that they'll leave something alone that just got them the most viewings of any show on <laughs> right. Showtime, but yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, I really liked it. I, I thought you know the cast was great. I loved the 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 whole uh, what was the the name of the town that in the show like Little something or yeah, like just I just like the town like you know how small it felt and uh, it kind of just makes the idea of like hiding in that kind of world. Uh, you know, a serial killer who kills serial killers hiding in a small town like that, even more claustrophobic. And I think that worked really well yeah. uh, for the show. But yeah, I thought I thought the Dexter New Blood this new season was was pretty great, actually. Cool. Yeah. Um, also, want to give a quick shout out. I don't know if you guys watched any of Yellow Jackets yet. Yes. Not, uh, just I, the first three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Me. I mentioned it before in the podcast, but like this is a show that definitely another Showtime show. Uh, that's kind of swelling every week, kind of growing. And, you know, you see it kind of people talking about it more and more every week. But um, I'm loving this show. I, mm. I think, you know, if you're interested at all in the premise, the, you know, the cast or, you know, just the the nostalgia for the 90s, um, it's definitely worth checking out also on Showtime. And if you like the show, uh, I want to give a, a good recommend to uh, the, the, the curated Spotify playlist that they uh update every sunday when the new episode drops 
Oh wow! It's like the best '90s music, like that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's everything that I've loved uh, That's cool. in my time in the '90s. And uh, I think like the music supervisor and some of the artists, like they're all involved in curating this Spotify playlist that they update every week. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it's awesome. But the show is great as well. So I think it's I think it's got like two or three, maybe two episodes left or three episodes left. Yeah. Um, but uh, that would be a recommend for me as well. Yeah, we should definitely double back and do a segment when we've all seen the full season of that, I think, just because it does feel like it's kind of hit that, I guess it was Squid Game, uh, you know, earlier, like there's this, you just can tell when a show has hit the, the yes. it's, it's got the memes and it's got all the references and stuff. Um, and I, yeah, I've, I saw maybe the first three or four, I was into the fourth one or something, but I, you know, just had to stop because there was too much going on, not because I wasn't into the show. I think that right. everything you said, the, the cast is so strong. It's fun to see these actors get a chance to do this kind of material. The fact that it's such a, a like a, woman driven storyline you know it, yeah. i don't know it's like it doesn't wear that on its sleeve too much but it just i do think it's worth mentioning that this is just such a rich it's got such a diverse cast of characters and it's just all over the place morally and i don't know i just think it's uh it's there's a reason why this show's got its hooks in people because it's really yeah. is like a kind of you can't look you don't want to look but you can't look away kind of premise uh so and I guess it's. Also, this... I think they also announced the second season for it too. Okay. Oh, wow. I was wondering about that. It feels like a story that could be heading towards like a conclusion, but obviously you can see how they're they're going between timelines. So there's yeah. this thing of like you can see the things that maybe they're leaving unexplored that are uh, you know whole possibilities of of like mysteries that they they don't address. It's not like lost exactly, but it actually it will remind you of that format where it's just like you get to do that overlapping of someone's actions in the past with yeah. who they're who they are now or who they're trying to be now. Um, that's always kind of interesting to me. So, um, well, let's, uh, I don't know, let's talk about a movie that we've probably all seen. And I guess that now this movie, this, this is what I'm interested in talking to you guys about because there's the movie and there's the discourse about the movie. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the movie and the discourse about the movie start to blend together in my head. And I don't know, I need to untangle my feelings and I need help. Everyone's mm. seen Don't Look Up, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so what, what do you, I mean, let's maybe take a step back and just talk about Adam McKay's trajectory into this more like politically aware part, part of his career where he's done The Big Short and um, Vice and then this. Uh, you know, as opposed to that run of Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, The Wrong Guys. Um, yeah. I don't know. There, there's, there is, I can see a lot of similarities, but in terms of like just the loose film style that I think was so appealing in his comedies. And I don't know if I've quite grasped yet what I think of him as like a serious filmmaker, but I always am excited to see what he'll do. And I think he's a really interesting guy. And I think opinions yeah. on this movie, Don't Look Up, this new satire, were so like not just divisive, but there were people who were like, it's that thing of, it's like the dress, the, you know, is it blue or is it gold kind of thing? Yeah. Or is it blue and gold or is it uh, uh, white? And I don't even remember what the colors on the damn dress were, but you know the reference I'm making. It was like some people yeah. were going, oh, this movie is lacking in comedy and and it is so, you know, condescending to all people. And then other people saying, no, this movie was hilarious and relatable to me. So I don't know, uh, you know, where do you stand on Adam McKay, the serious filmmaker? And what did you think of, of his chops in putting together this satire? Don't look up. I prefer the 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 not so political Adam McKay, if I'm being honest. Um I, I I think I think I'm really looking forward to the Lakers miniseries, and I think yeah. there might be a combination of the two, right? Um Oh, he's but, doing a miniseries with what uh do we know who's involved? Oh, it's based on a book uh about the Lakers, uh about the eighties into the nineties Lakers, like uh, you know, like magic. Yeah, some, someone needs Kareem. to give give a little spotlight to that. Yeah. So that's, but that's, that's what happened with the Will Ferrell thing. Like that was the reason why they, the last yes. straw of them being friends. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Will, uh, Will Ferrell not being cast in that movie. I mean, or, in that, or uh, sort of seemingly being soft cast and then having it kind of yanked away when right, they go right. in a different direction. Uh, but um, Will Ferrell is clearly trying to be moving into a more serious uh, phase himself. So I yeah. could see how that would be a particular thing. I could see how from coming from Adam McKay that would that would bother him, um, you know. But yeah, so about the movie itself, I, I have to be completely honest, man. The way that people talk now, I don't know if this feels so much like a heightened 
parody anymore. <laughs> right. Like that that that's not the thing anymore. Like it used to be like people always reference um what's the one where uh Zeus um not Zeus Idiocracy. Uh, becomes media uh idiocracy. Yeah. Like people always reference that as like the that's the marker back in the day they're like it, you know, a wrestler could become a president. You know, all that stuff. And like, or well, Doctor well, Strange Love. I feel like those are the two movies that you hear people refer right, right, to right. as like satires that, especially yes. now in retrospect, feel like they were they were saying something. Whereas at the yeah. at the time, Idiocracy was kind of a. I mean, I think it's got a cult appeal, but I think it's interesting how people look back on these movies more fondly than they maybe are received in their moments. Yes, and I I think that like this is not. This doesn't feel like a parody anymore so much as it feels like a, a documentation of how wild this could get if we we don't look at these like kind of mile markers as things get more and more insane. So, I, you know, I wasn't as bothered by it as everybody else was in that respect. But what I do get bothered about is like a message stepping on your story. Um, I get I get a little irritated by that way, like, you know. Everything's like a scene, and somebody's like, "Message." That's you should have saw that. That's because people are dumb. That's the thing you you don't know that because people are dumb, <laughs> and they're going to interpret this that way, and they're going to let. It's just like, come on, man! Like, just tell me a story that can involve these elements, and that is what Adam McKay seems to be failing at to me. Like, that is the shortcoming is nuance to this stuff. Like, you can still have something that's heightened. And still have the message be a little more nuanced about how America's headed and what we're facing and you know, what's the worst case scenario. And I just that's the part that bothered me. Well, I mean, it's that it's that old joke that people make now of like it's hard to make jokes anymore because the real world is so fucked and bizarre, you know, and that it yeah. does it does take a lot for a movie like this to seem like it's over the top. And you know, yeah. and I think some some I don't know. I, I feel like half the cast comes off really well, and then the other half feel like they don't quite know what the tone of the thing they're in <laughs> is. But I, I think yeah. that happens a lot of times when you have a, a movie like this. How, how, what did you think about these things, Steve? Not just Adam McKay, but his his latest. Uh, I mean, I, th I, I like the movie. Um, it's probably like not my favorite Adam McKay film. I, I do think it's probably the most... Uh, I do agree with kind of where Ronald was going before. Like, I feel like the whole movie feels a little too heavy handed and um, just like a constant message. I, I mean, I, I think the overall message I, I kind of identify with and, you know, I, I, I'm on board with what it's trying to say. Um, I feel I've, I personally felt like watching it, though, that you kind of get distracted from uh, a bit of the story once you know the story and you see where the story is going with all of these, um, you know, kind of like opportunities to just comment on basically every facet of how polarized everything is and how divisive everything can be. And, you know, and, and I mean, but again, like that's kind of fucking the world that we're in right now. I mean, like, I right. feel like it feels very, it's a little too close for home, but um, I think, I, I think, I think this movie might have some play, like, you know, come awards time, maybe for screenplay or something, but I just think that, like, you know, when you have a cast like that, um, you know, even if you just kind of focus on the main cast, you know, I think most of that works pretty well in the, in the movie. Um, some of the casting is like, I, I don't know, I, I usually like Mike, Mark Rylance. I feel like he was a little off in this. Um, yeah. And uh, he was kind of doing a parody of his character in Ready Player One, which is very yes, strange. Yes. Dif different hair, but like yes. a, a slightly more spaced out guy. Yes. Than that guy. Yeah. I was thinking I, the same thing. I like the joke, though, of an idiot billionaire who thinks that that he's where he is because of how smart he is and doesn't realize right. it's just because yeah. he can bankroll all this stuff. I think, right. That, right. but I do think that like, yeah, I think we're getting at something here that like the tone is a little bit all over the place. Like it does have that seriousness and sometimes that heavy handedness. I don't know. Sometimes I welcome when a movie like slaps people in the face a little bit, but I do think this sure. movie was almost one note in that sense. And I think that's why people were reacting to it the way they did, because if there had been these hilarious comic set pieces that you remember, I think you would be forgiving some of the kind of slapdash quality of it. I mean, 
I got a little tired of people acting like if you didn't like the movie, you didn't agree with the message. I feel like I'm 100% oh. there with the message. But a lot of people were saying stuff like, oh, I can see how if people don't care about the climate crisis, they might not get this movie. And it's like, trust me, that's not what it is, you know? Yeah. But I actually felt like there were moments where it felt kind of sloppy, like the way it would cut to file footage or stock footage and go back into the story. Some of that felt oh, like it right, was trying right. to create like a media kaleidoscope, like natural born killers or something like that. But I don't think that it felt as... It just didn't feel as polished stylistically as it as I think it would have needed to to pull off all those shifts. But I don't know if I quite understand the anger of people saying, "Oh, this movie is such a waste of time." Surely they've seen less funny films than that, you know. I think that I do think though that you kind of want more laughs. And when I when I watch Search Party, uh, the the fifth season of that, it's ten roughly half hour episodes, so it's like a five to six hour movie. Um, that's a satire, and it goes crazy. I mean, like if you if you compare the last episode of Search Party to the first, they're two different worlds. It's it's gone from being this yeah. grounded story to being this wacky, over the top story. But I will say, I was thinking watching Search Party, it's like, oh, this is maybe what I was missing from from Don't Look Up in terms of that satire. That it's kind of what you both were alluding to. It's like those those funny characters that get caught in these moments that you can relate to these these over the top scenarios that might go I mean, you know, like go crazy and just stuff that's like okay, this is no longer relatable, but you're still I feel like Search Party still feels like it's very much about our current moment and how self-absorbed people can be. Um it just takes it to this next insane level. So, not to say that everything should be like something else and I'm not trying to make Don't Look Up into a movie. It's not trying to be, but I think that's when I think, oh, good, funny satire. Like Dr. Strangelove, a lot of people don't don't like that movie. But if you watch it, you can't deny that it's got these crazy memorable characters and these performances that are like heightened. People are doing something to, to show that they're in the world of the movie. And I think that's why something like Don't Look Up, the best performances are the people who do have a couple moments where they get to kind of... Like Jonah Hill has some funny moments because he gets to be kind of the tip of the spear of just how silly... Like they're making a comment about a particular type of person, and he gets to kind of go to the, you know, the nth degree with it. And I think Leo has some nice moments too, of just melting down in the face of people who won't listen, because yeah, we know yeah. that's a little bit of who Leo is. But we also know we've all felt that frustration, and we've particularly have seen like Dr. Fauci sitting there, you know, listening to some politician speak, and you can see him just shaking his head. Like I feel like that stuff had this comic verve to it that I just don't know that the movie quite stitched it all together because it's very knowing. You're as, right. I, as you said, Ronald, yeah. it kind of touches on every aspect. It touches on yeah. the memes. It touches on the social media. It tries to do so much. I think if it had just been a little more skillful in doing it, I would have been like just enraptured by it. Um, as it yeah. was, though, I sort of felt like I was a little worn out by it by the time it got to the end, honestly. And it was only after all this chatter that I've been like, maybe I should go back and watch it a second time when I'm not like, because I think I watched it like Christmas evening. And so everyone's a little tired on Christmas evening. Maybe I should have watched something <laughs> lighter. Um, yeah. But I but I didn't hate it. So I guess I'm kind of caught in the middle. I, I find it equally bizarre that people are like, oh my gosh, this movie kept me up for a week because of what it showed us about the world. And I kind of feel like maybe I'm just a cynical Gen Xer, but this is the, <laughs> this is the fucking world, baby. I mean, yeah, like, I feel like... Yeah. But I also think that's part of what the movie does that is maybe maybe a, a pressure release valve for people, is to see a movie that actually does have that much venom and that much resentment of stupidity, you know? Um, yeah. It is a little condescending at times, perhaps, but maybe that's, you know, perhaps, I don't know. It's okay for a movie to do that. Um, but yeah, not my favorite Adam McKay either. What is your favorite Adam McKay? Probably Step Brothers for me, I'd say. Anchorman. I get, oh yeah, my God, that's, it's that's tough, man. Good. I'm just an Anchorman um, devotee. I've seen it too many times, to, and it still holds up to not feel yeah, like, even though does. I know that it, certain things about it have aged awkwardly, I believe, but I think also that cast, you kind of can't beat the moment they caught Paul Rudd in, the moment they caught Steve Carell in. Um, mm -hmm. uh, David, Even David Koechner was kind of like, you know, it was at peak David Koechner, so... Yeah, I don't know. Those are those are great. I mean, if I did, maybe to give attention to something else, I mean, I I, I love The Big Short. Like, uh, it's a great, you movie. know, and he won an Oscar for that. So, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I, obviously I love Step Brothers, and that's one that's grown over time for sure. The more I watch it, but, um, did we just come? Did we do what is it? Did yeah, we just become oh best God. friends? <laughs> yup. <laughs> yeah. It's super quotable. Uh, uh yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of his. Like, I, I will see everything he puts out. And I, and I, again, I did like this movie, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Same. But um, I did enjoy it, and I probably will watch it again. And uh, important to note that probably 
maybe by the time this podcast comes out, if not the next podcast episode, it'll probably be Netflix's biggest movie of all time, um, which is, you know, the discourse around it that you're just, you know, that we're describing and people are talking about it and people are watching it. You have an amazing cast like that. Um, And uh, I think as of now, it's number two behind Red Notice, but I think they're projecting by this weekend or next week, um, it'll it'll surpass Red Notice um, and be the biggest uh, Netflix release of all time, which is crazy. That is crazy. crazy. Wow, I mean, it's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> um, it, it is kind of like it's so easy to lose like context sometimes. Like there's lots of criticism about Netflix and then, you know, a lot of their original films in terms of like the quality of some of them. Um, I, I've heard, I feel like there are some great ones and, you know, I think that you can say that about any studio and I just kind of see them the same way personally, but like, it is kind of bonkers to think about how many people watch these movies, you know, like in just terms of the reach and the number of subscribers that they have, you know, even a movie like the lost daughter, that's kind of becoming, more and more popular because it came out on Netflix, you know, last week or the week before Maggie Gyllenhaal's film, like there's no way in hell that movie would be seen by one tenth, one twentieth of the number of um, hours that they've already posted that that movie has been watched. If it had come out like, you know, a traditional rollout in, you know, art house theaters or whatever. So, I mean, it's just crazy to think about the scope of, of, of how far some of these movies reach. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I always, I always like. I mean, I'm always aware of it, especially because they have that new website that we always talk about. But like, and I check it all the time when they release their new numbers every week, and that that just blows my mind. That like a movie like The Lost Daughter is like you know in the top three Netflix movies. You know, like hundred like a hundred thousand hours viewed. You know, it's like or how whatever that metrics they use is. But I mean, that's just that global reach is just wild. It is, man. Um. Uh, you know, real quick, I wanted to mention one more movie. Uh, before I forget, mainly because we're talking about Netflix, and it came out like a month or two ago. I finally got around to seeing Tick Tick Boom. Did either of you see that? Oh no, not no, yet. Not yet. You guys need to watch this movie. Like this movie's fantastic, and Andrew Garfield is phenomenal in it. The music is great. Like I'm aware of Jonathan Larson and even uh, of Tick Tick Boom, but I really don't know that I fully understand or understood um, the uh, you know kind of its place in his history and and, you know in his career. Um, But you know Lin Manuel Miranda directs this film. It's his feature uh, debut as a director, and it's it's I mean does a great job. The direction's great. Songs are great. The choreography's awesome. But um, I was really surprised. Like, I don't know why, but I mean, like, I just had come late to it. But um, this movie is probably making my top 10 if we do the top 10 this year, um, depending what else I see. But uh, Andrew Garfield's like my front runner for best actor. Like, he's phenomenal mm. in this movie, especially with the love we've been giving him for the whole, you know, Spider-Man of it all. Like, he's having a moment. He's having a moment. And I think it's going to help him. He might win an Oscar for this movie. He is outstanding in Tick, Tick, Boom. And uh, I'd really, really recommend you guys checking it out. Uh, he's always really good. That's like yeah, the thing, so that, always, <laughs> that's so like the thing that everybody has been kind of saying. Like, well, yeah, haven't we all agreed forever that he's he like has got? You know, and even my son, who's like a super Tom Holland as Spider Man fan, he's been going around. I mean, like he's it's like it's torn his allegiances a little bit because he's like because he's a comics fan and a movies fan, and he kind of will t- say it's like, Dad, Andrew Garfield is actually maybe the best comic. Like he's the best version of Spider Man we've gotten. Anyway, I, right. I think and I know that's just one part of it, but yeah, he's always been like solid. In things i think it's very strange that some actors i mean it's cool when it happens because you notice that everyone suddenly appreciates them but it's it's strange when certain actors people don't don't add it up like they're you know they they're in one good thing after another and people yeah. aren't aren't saying this person's really good um yeah but yeah now he's having that so yeah um, well I, I wanted to mention something because you mentioned the lost daughter and it made me think oh yeah olivia coleman she's a badass these days she's in lots of cool stuff has anyone watched landscapers on hbo max what what a weird uh, yeah. show. Okay, well, I want I want to watch it. I it's haven't very it yet. strange. It's like really interesting and really strange and very dreamlike. And I do think you kind of have to take a step back from it sometimes. But I was I just don't think I've ever seen anything like it in some. It's you know, and it almost is able to pull off what it does with like a cinematic quality. It still feels a little television, and you can feel it kind of stretching at the bounds of what they can do yeah. budgetary. 
uh, wise. Um, but as far as like David Thewlis and Olivia Coleman being like just top of the heap actors, yeah. they, I mean, they just put, there's so much nuance to every little thing that they're doing. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just waiting for someone else to watch it so I can say, it's almost, it's almost a you were warned. It's almost weird enough to be a you were warned because it's just structurally, it goes in and out of fantasy and the real world so much. And it's kind of an interesting take on a true crime story because you sort of end it feeling like you know what happened, but the, the show didn't didn't show you what happened in such a way that you feel like you saw it happen. So right. it's like, you don't feel like, you know, how sometimes true crime stories can give you the illusion that you saw what happened because they showed it to you in, in just plain terms. This show kind of avoids giving you that easy relationship to the crime. And it's more about like the fractured mindset of the people that are, mm. are accused. So I don't know. It's really interesting. Maybe it should have been a movie and not a four hour uh, series, but still, I'm, yeah, I kind of, I kind of half recommend it. <clears throat> Yeah, check it out. I have to check it out. What else? What else did we, we see? Um, I want to mention two movies. Do it. Uh, one was a Netflix film that I, my friends had been telling me to see it because of my love for stand-up and this artist as a director, as a comedian, as a musician. Bo Burnham's Inside mm-hmm. is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. It is. It is odd and sad and fun and dips between those things so so magically that it feels like you're inside of the apartment with him kind of feeling the feelings that he's feeling and we and we've all during the course of you know the pandemic felt like every emotion shown on the screen <laughs> uh it's 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 pretty damn cool um did we did, did we talk about I feel like maybe John, did you mention it before? I don't know. I mean, I've, I think there was that time when everybody was talking about it, but I somehow feel like we managed to not mention it on the show. But yeah, I saw it back when, back in the midst of pandemic. But it definitely was having like there was a time where I felt like everybody was saying, "Oh my gosh, has anyone seen this?" Yes. But yeah, it definitely in that moment felt like it really responded to the like it, I don't know. I think he found his creative way of of doing something memorable within that confines of you know, what we all were going through. So, yeah. So that was pretty damn good. And, and then, and the next one, I think the title is named what it is, because if you haven't seen it, come on, come on, you need to see this fucking film. Come on, come on with, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this little kid, this little British kid doing a, a fucking American accent, a tour de force this kid is putting on. <laughs> I've never, like, I don't think I've ever felt this sort of, like, lived in, like, besides, I mean, I guess maybe the Bo Burnham movie, but um, it's a journey. It's, it's about a journalist that, that travels around, and he does it, you know, just through a mic and and some headphones. And, and there's a portion of the film where he has to take care of the, his kid because his mom is going through some stuff and it plays a lot of it plays around with sound a lot so like to keep the kid busy this isn't giving anything away to keep him kind of busy during the course of the movie he gives him the mic and the headphones and you can just hear what's in the kid's ear for portions of the movie mm-hmm. so you just hear like atmosphere in New York <laughs> it's just like all the sounds and the you know the people talking the banter and the the, the feet touching the ground and I, you know it's just all these things that I remember doing in college and, and you know when you when you you do a you do a, a, a interview with a teacher that you know you were scared to interview and they're like you gotta you gotta record some atmosphere to make it sound good when you record it you right, just right. gotta put it in a corner <laughs> you just gotta sit there you tell everybody to be quiet you just go like I just remember those feelings and this relationship that he has with this this kid that feels like a father son dynamic and it's really just the uncle um nephew relationship you know it you know it's magical it's it's really I I I haven't seen anything like it and because it's black and white it really almost looks like a canvas like it, it feels like it, it it takes away all the distraction and and all you all you can do is focus on the dynamic between 
you know, Joaquin Phoenix and whoever's on the screen at the time, or this little kid and whoever's on the screen at the time. And he's so charismatic, man. I want to meet this kid. But come on, come on. A24, up to no good again. You're up to no good. We still need to do the list. I keep saying this. Oh, uh, speaking of A24, the the tragedy of Macbeth uh, is a is a you, A24 movie. What did too. you think? I need I mean, to know. I mean, like, I I guess I was gonna fi- like. I think this is an interesting question, just because like, how do you do with Shakespeare? You know, because there's right. no there's no you don't want to make Shakespeare not Shakespeare, right? Mm-hmm. But you do know that that's a barrier to entry for a lot of people. So right. you're going to have imagery in a movie like this and acting that's really great. And like, it really does feel, it's it's so, I was so captivated, just, I was interested in it. Like Joel Cohen for the first time directing a movie without Ethan Cohen. Mm. Um, oddly, Ethan Cohen has like, uh, is focusing on theatrical works right now, like writing plays, while Joel oh, wow. goes off and adapts a play into a movie. It's just an interesting thing. But <laughs> right, Joel right. Cohen said in an interview that Ethan wouldn't have been interested in doing this and that that's why he did it when they were kind of taking a break from each other because mm. he knew that he would this was something he wanted to do that Ethan would never be interested in. And I don't know why that is. Ethan doesn't like Shakespeare or just doesn't want to deal with so much there's so much on you if you're going to do Shakespeare because you have to you have to do the dialogue. You know, I mean, you can't like like you could maybe say I'm going to adapt it. I'm going to do my adaptation of Shakespeare and take all the poetry out of it. And people try that kind of stuff all the time, but I still feel like this the way the only way uh, the only way uh out is through or the only way whatever that saying is, you know, like the only way to do Shakespeare is to to dive into Shakespeare. And it, this is adapted for the screen uh by Joel Cohen, so he truncates it and he changes a few things to make it work, and it's not a super long movie. It's not one of the longest plays. I don't know how you feel about uh Macbeth, but it's always been one of my favorite Shakespeare plays just because it is a cool it's a very cinematic kind of story. It's all about mm. someone who's, you know, undone by by the the sort of moral rot that they have allowed to grow within themselves. So it's mm. it's like that's some we see a lot of like, you know, ex- explorations of of crime and anti-heroes and stuff that deal with that idea. And Denzel is just on fire in this performance. Um Frances McDormand is really good. I think I expected to be more blown away by her as Lady Macbeth than I than mm. I was ultimately, but I think there there's a take on the character they're doing. She's a little bit distant and kind of chilly. And I guess that might be a Francis McDormand thing, but you know, it 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 is interesting to see something that is so clearly not a Coen Brothers project, but it right. has so many earmarks of Coen Zness. Sometimes the shot framings, sometimes a little bit of the rhythm, or it just makes you honestly realize, oh wait a minute, I never would have thought of the the of Shakespeare as a major influence on the Coen Brothers. But now that I'm seeing a a Coen treatment of Shakespeare, I realize how much the like. The, the dialogue, the constantly talking characters, the people who are speaking their thoughts, but maybe obscuring their thoughts at the same time, like that's very much rooted in in this tradition of, you know, this play is 400 years old or something. So um, over 400. So yeah, I, I think it's really going to depend on how much you can love this movie is going to depend on how much you, you enjoy Shakespeare, how much you can kind of be bowled over by this movie and the sweep of it at least once, I think is going to depend on just how much you can sink into the imagery because it's got this very minimalist almost artificial look like the sets are very there's there's not a there's not an attempt to create an illusion of a real world it feels like an extension of a of a stage world but it also feels like very much like a kind of movie someone would have made a hundred years ago you know like where they wouldn't have built out these giant sets and they wouldn't have extras everywhere and they wouldn't have all this stuff it would be a little bit minimal so it feels like a really bold visual statement and yeah, I, I guess I'd be very, very interested to know what you guys think when you see it, especially uh, based on whether you, I mean, I don't know, I don't think any of us are like super Shakespeare buffs, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I mean, I've read enough of it and studied enough of it in school that I have an appreciation for a few plays, and and I'm not one of those people who goes, oh, it's Shakespeare equals yawn, you know, that's not where I stand with right. it at all, but I even I find it's a lot to take in, if, you know, trying to figure out what's going on in a story <laughs> and what people are saying, you know? Right. I, I almost always need the decoder ring to know what's really happening in a Shakespeare play. <laughs> yeah. So um, for that reason, I think you, maybe some familiarity with Macbeth would help somebody. But I think this movie does about as much as anybody ever has to sort of strip it down and make the dialogue feel like people talking and not like people just talking to thin air. So anyway, 
Yeah, cool. I, I, I really dug it. And as far as visually, I mean, it's almost like it would be a good one just to put on, like on your screen or something, you know, when, when you're testing out your system, Ronald. Uh, I feel like this would be, there's something, it's so, it's so minimal and it's so artificial, and yet it's beautiful to look at. I, I, I think that, you know, the Coen brothers can do that. They can create these interesting textures with this super sharp clarity. Mm. Um, and in some ways, it feels like the, the next mood piece after uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, you know, uh, it's like more abstract than that, but it, it, it does feel like the next movie. And I, I'm very intrigued now to think like, does this mean now we're going to get a bunch of soul Joe, solo Joel Cohen movies, or are they going to come back together? I mean, you know, there's a while. Sojo. Sojo. Are we going to get some Sojos? Sojo movies. Are we going to get Sojos or Cobros? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll check it out, man. I've I've been wanting to see it. But since I've waited as long as I have, I'm just going to watch it on Apple TV Plus when it it's, well, you know, we, so we could yeah. watch the screener. That's the, this was the look on I my know. face last week when I realized we've, we've had access to that screener. I was like, right. Oh, wait a minute. The, you know, the Coen brothers, because I, I, I had that January 14th date in mind. That's when it hits Apple Plus. Yeah. Right. Well, actually, we have screeners from Apple Plus. So that's when <laughs> yeah. I realized that I was overjoyed. But we also have, uh, there's also the search party, not the search party, um, the after party. Is on there. Oh yeah, I've watched that. I watched that and, uh, a couple times. And I know over. that I know that you've fallen off, but I'm still on the hook with Servant, and I noticed the first six or seven of those are up. So I need to, yeah. Oh my god, I need to watch that. Um, when can we talk about the after party? Because I feel like that's not for a couple of weeks. It doesn't start until like February or something February, like that, right? But I mean, I think we can um, talk about it on the 28th or something. So okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, how, how much of it have you watched? I still have a couple left, but. Have you watched it at all, Steve? I've watched the first episode. What'd you think? Um, I wasn't I wasn't as impressed as I thought I'd be with the first episode. The, the, it well, gets, when you it gets yes. so much better after the first episode. When you figure out what the show is, because they don't do it in the first episode. I feel like what they do in the first I, I, episode is I, I, they over explain it. Already. You read what it is? Why yeah. did you read that? You can't you can't. No, do no, no, that. no. Like they well, I think I know what you're talking about. I mean, I read when they announced what the show was. I think that's part like, of the log line is that is, yeah it is that like it it, it was out there what but the I thought show was. I guess oh, I, I guess we're getting into embargo territory here but I'll just say that I yeah. thought particularly T- T- Tiffany Haddish's character in the first episode I found very tiresome because I thought she over explained the concept of the show like throughout the show yes yes like yes, yes. I don't think we needed that much explanation to know that different people's accounts are going to have a different right point of view and and i but i think once we get into that world of the different accounts it it picks up i thought it picked up a lot because after the first episode i was kind of lukewarm too and i was even saying to nikki boy i hope they drop this thing of over explaining the concept and then second episode they did and i was like oh okay cool and then they they have ike barinholtz carrying that one too and that's uh, so funny man yeah ike is a beast but yeah there's like three shows on there that haven't come out that I think we should probably start to take in. Yeah. There's one with like Samuel Jackson. I don't know if you saw that. There's like there's a ton of stuff. Apple went from having no content to having like maybe fifty something shows at this uh, <laughs> properties at this it's point. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. and people are doubting this whole thing. And now it's like you can't keep up if you try for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. 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 Did, yeah. did um did any of you watch Matrix Resurrections? Yeah. Yeah. Did we talk about that yet? I think we did, uh, but I don't think you had seen it. But maybe briefly. Maybe I feel okay. like we didn't go I think into Ronald and I did like a segment yeah, just because just right. because right. we'd seen that's it right. if you hadn't seen it yet. So do you wanna right, right, right. Steve. Um yeah, I pretty much agree with you guys. Like, you know, I I I don't I don't really have much I just was I couldn't remember if we talked about it or not. It, yeah, it was <laughs> Steve, is it the uh, is it the Wachowskis? <laughs> is there only God forgives? <laughs> it's, it's Lana's. It, man, it feels so like combative. It feels so like I'm gonna ruin this franchise. Like these are the same people. I mean, even if you don't like the tr- even if you don't like the last two of the Matrix films, they are significantly better than the fourth movie like significantly it's no comparison actually i, I think it's probably because it, it feels more they feel more like of one uh yeah i don't know like i, I my big takeaway honestly like and this is probably gonna make me sound horrible but like oh no because i no no because i love him but i felt like keanu is was not good in this he was 
I, I felt like he was very like washed up. It felt very. Like, he felt like. Well, did, did I tell you somebody? Somebody said he seemed like he was saving himself for John Wick Four. Absolutely, uh, my feelings. Yeah, that's exactly what it, what it felt like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like I feel like for it being a Matrix film, I felt like a lot of the stunt choreography and the fight uh, choreography stiff. was very kind of meh. You know, yeah. there's a, there's yeah. a couple great sequences in the movie, you know, that I thought were pretty amazing, <clears throat> but not consistent enough. And I mean, and as much as I love him and love him in the Matrix, like the other three films, something just felt off like with him in this movie. And I mean, like, I feel like the movie really kind of comes alive when Carrie Ann Moss is like more involved in the movie. Yeah. And I think she really kind of is the bright, the bright spot of the movie for me. And uh, kind of is what kind of kept me in it in the in the few moments that she's in it until like the last half hour of the movie, but um, yeah, I don't know. I overall I was kind of kind of disappointed in it to be honest, and uh, I just felt like it was very odd not having Hugo Weaving in the movie, not having some version of Lawrence Fishburne in the movie. I didn't really like what they did with Morpheus. Yeah, it and, didn't make you know, sense how- that they, that they didn't get Lawrence Fishburne to play that. I, I mean, I know they were doing something different. Whereas with Jonathan Groff, I at least was like, I can see how a new face for this guy almost makes him more nefarious. Even though it's hard not to picture the alternate world where they yeah. just you know schedules worked out and Hugo Weaving was doing that because it would have been yeah. thrilling to see absolutely the agent smith that we know doing those things but i think jonathan groff totally. was at least like a good choice to kind of match that sort of a different version a more vapid modern version of this kind of energy but i you know i just didn't even though i like the actor that was playing morpheus it's like i just didn't think that it needed to not be Lawrence fishburne like there didn't seem to be anything that he couldn't have done on wires or whatever they they needed and so i can only imagine that was a strange feeling for him to just not get yeah. the call um I guess he decided to do McGruber instead. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Would you, but but so I mean, good decision on his part, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I love seeing that he's part of the gravitas. He's part of the joke of that show because of like the what makes McGruber sing for me is how straight everyone plays it. Yeah. Around yeah. this a total dickhead <laughs> that McGruber is. Um, I don't know. Have you guys finished the whole season of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, we we watched it with the family, so it was interesting sitting there with my son for some of that MacGruber stuff, like when he's be- <laughs> when he's begging Lawrence Fishburne to let him blow him so that he can get some information. That's but, some like, quality family time, right? It there. really it is. is. But but the stupidity of it, like it's one thing that my son, one of my son's favorite, uh, like things is something like, oh, that's so dumb. It's like high praise for him, you know, if he's watching a comedy. Mm. And I think that, you know, and we were all saying it, but my son just kind of pointed it out. It's like, uh, he loves that the the joke of that show is that MacGruber has this reputation that everybody seems to somehow fear and respect. And yet they all also see and are sure that he's an idiot, you know? So it's like, (laughs) you just have to, it's like the concept almost seems like it wouldn't work, but you get people like Lawrence Fishburne in there to play it almost completely straight. And somehow it's like, you know, and and that it ends. I don't know if I'll beep this out, but it, the fact that it ends with people doing the boot scoot boogie, I, I had to like sit there and just process that for about a yeah. half hour. It's like I think only Will Forte would come up with something that <laughs> gloriously stupid and then like execute it. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah. that's that's the joke of this show is that someone actually filmed this. Um, but that's Peacock, right? That that was a uh, yeah. No, that was a Billy Zane is also having a good year. No, man. I think again, it's like you get to show that you know. Good. Yeah, you know, like, because he would play the villain in the serious version of this. You would see him in some direct-to-home video action movie or something like that, playing the bad guy. So it's like he's very, he's very in on the joke for for doing this. Um, I kind of want more with his character, actually. Me too. He's he's fresh off that Kevin Hart show, man. He was like, kind of an asshole in that. It's good to see him working. Yeah, but you're right. I wish I saw more of him too. He was he was funny. He was funny to watch. Yeah. What All else? Right. What else have we been McGruber. watching? <laughs> the close up of the butt cheeks in the opening credits. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so the Bond parody is so good. Yeah. So I think I'm. I think that's all I got personally. All right. You want to boot scoot out of here? Yeah. <laughs> boot scoot buggy. Uh, you guys have anything else you want to mention? Uh, any other shows that you've seen or movies you've seen? Mm, I guess it can wait. Whatever it is. Okay. Okay. Same for me. Bye. Same Bye. for me. Okay. Okay. We're back. <laughs> we 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 out here. Is that what Jonah Hill says at the end? Yeah. Of, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, 
So moviespreview.com is the website. Uh, you can go there, jump off on whatever podcast platform you subscribe to. Maybe if you're just listening episode to episode, maybe subscribe, maybe leave a review, maybe leave a rating if it's even possible. Um, if you're listening through Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Music, any of those things, Facebook even, we're on there now. Um, you can listen right on Facebook as you're scrolling endlessly through your timeline. Um, for those of you that are still using Facebook, you can do that. Um I don't know what our plan is for next week, but hopefully we'll be back next week. We'll go for a two for two in a row kind of thing. And uh, we got to kind of plan something to go over some of our favorites of the year, I guess, eventually. Yeah. I'd I'd like to do that. Like maybe some TV stuff and some movie stuff. Maybe we can, Um, maybe we can kind of bang it out in one episode and, and, you know, move our lists along faster than we've, than we've done in the past. That we do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like it's the later we get in the year, that look. Because we, we, I don't think we did one for the last couple of years. Like this has been, this has been a while since we've had one of our best ofs. Yeah, yeah I'm down, it. man. We should just do yeah. a best of episode with movies and TV and just kind of yeah. rattle them off. Don't don't get too caught up in it. Right. I'd like to make sure everybody knows, like you know, what a, some of our favorite stuff was because now's the time to catch up. You know, there's tons there of stuff out there, so sorting through it with some recommendations. Yeah. I begin. And, and now the stuff that. We may have seen in the theater or may have seen in the festivals now coming on. Yeah, it's all available. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's a good it, time. Hopefully. It's yeah. a really good time, That's, yeah. So well, maybe we'll do that. Um, otherwise, good to see you guys. Hopefully, we'll same time, yes. same place next week. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, man. All right, cool. Well, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.